0: The Monday
1: Rewind. Welcome to the Monday Rewind. I'm Raf Giallo. You can get in touch on Twitter at Oisín Langan or at Tastico, Or you can also email in at mondayrewind at newstalk.com. Oisín was at Donegal v Tyrone yesterday for the Ulster Championship Opener.
2: Tyrone have a free in it's kicked down the line Tyrone and O'Neill O'Neill chips it down the left wing caught by Tyrone hands the hands of Mark Bradley Bradley still with the ball outside the 20 metre line and the referee blows the full time whistle and for the fourth time in five years Donegal knocks Tyrone out of the Ulster Championship the final score in Valley Buffet Donegal one thirteen, 13 Tyrone 110. it was a game that literally had everything
1: That was the full-time whistle from Donegal versus Tyrone. Uh, we'll have more reaction from that game shortly. First up, let's get the reaction from the weekend's Pro 12 action. Connacht achieved their highest ever finish in a Champions Cup playoff spot despite losing to Ospreys at the weekend. Here's Pat Lamb speaking to Galway Bay FM.
3: You've got to also understand that we're into a strong win. Uh, we're playing the best, the tech. I said that in the build-up and I said that uh, defensively we need to be spot on if we fall off tackles. It's going to be very hard, so, um, you know, and it didn't, and we spoke about it at half time, I said, if we don't have any hope in this game, there's no point doing things if we don't ta- get our tackle quality back to where it should be, and uh, so... It's, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, we work as a team, and, uh, and if you miss tackles, it has a, has a, has a knock-on effect for, for everything, particularly when you're playing, there's the standard that we're playing. So, so we all get, you know, hurt, you know, I understand some people say we don't care, and the, which is rubbish. I think we showed exactly what we're about in that second half, you know, and um, once we were able to control the ball and, and make our tackles and, and get into it, and um, really, really proud of the effort. We came at halftime, we kept it really calm. I normally show some clips on the uh, in the video, I didn't bother that, because... Uh, uh, we just knew that we had to get back we into our game, even our attack wasn 't right we 're just doing one off runners, which against a team like that you 're going to be no threat. so we' just had to get back into our shape and, uh, and come back and to uh, run them close. Uh, you know, we ran out of time in the end, but um, you know, it, was, it, was, uh, it just shows what this team 's made out, and as it 's transpired, you know even if we 'd won we wouldn 't have got ahead, but to get fifty points, uh, this season is uh, you know, eleven points greater than we 've ever had. Uh, 10 wins and a draw. Uh, you all, you guys all know the, 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 the water of games that we should have had. Uh, it's been a massive effort for us. And the reason we set top six was because getting to Europe. Well, we've, I suppose we look back now and it's, we've the highest ever finished Connick's had. So that's, uh, boys can take credit of that. But the reason was about getting to Europe. And well, now we've got the chance next Saturday to, uh, you know, uh, Sunday to go to Gloucester and, uh, and, uh, and carry on and try and, try and get into that final.
1: Munster enjoyed a bonus point win over Dragons, leaving head coach Anthony Foley in good spirits at the prospect of a home semi-final against Ospreys in the Pro 12 playoffs.
4: Yeah, delighted, I think, um, to get uh, get our five points, first and foremost, and then, uh, you know, one uh, of the other teams to slip up. Uh, didn't look likely at half-time that it was going to be that side, but um, you know, to get a home semi-final I think that it was something that uh, in the last couple of weeks we've Looked at as a priority, and uh, once we got the top four, we zoned in on it, and uh, fortunately enough, we got it. Yeah, they
2: gave you a bit of a fright early on there, but uh, after that, it was all
5: Munster really.
4: Yeah, look, we we we've said it all along. They're a very good side. They're a side that uh, have an ability to uh, to entertain. They're a side that if you let their quality players get the ball the ball away, then we struggle. You know, and most teams this year have struggled against them when they they allow them to play their game and um, Fortunately enough, for long periods, we controlled the game, we controlled the tempo of it and uh, managed to rack up a score. And the score eight
2: tries must be massively
4: pleasing. Yeah, I think in the manner of it, you know, I think the boys did in task for long periods of the game and made sure that uh, any time they threw something at us, we hit them with something back, you know. So uh, they came over to uh, throw the ball around and uh, make it, make it um, difficult for us. And, um, you know, they managed to do that on a couple of occasions. But I think all, all in all, we'd be satisfied with the result.
1: Usheen caught up with Leinster's Rob Kearney at their Rupa Awards last week and the Ireland full-back spoke about the province's underwhelming season.
6: Rob, um, almost at the end of the season, but still a bit of work to do? Yeah, a little bit of work to do, as you say. it be much nicer to finish 5th in the uh, Pro 12 than in Wood 6th. So, you know, I think pressure, off is, <coughs> pressure is off us somewhat, given the fact that we've already qualified for Europe. Uh, So, I will go to Edinburgh, we'll give it a great crack and, you know, we'll we'll do our very best to try and win the game. Is it a time for
2: concentrating on that game or is there some, I won't say soul-searching because, you know, you were beaten after extra time in a Champions Cup semi-final and quite unlucky in the league given the amount of guys that were missing. So, is there
6: there kind of wondering about this season and where you need to improve for next or how are you reflecting on the season about to end? Listen, it hasn't been ideal. Of course, we'd love to be in the top four. We're not. You know, had we played better throughout the year you know we probably would be okay Heineken we were very close but at the same time we still lost in uh, in a semi-final so uh, listen there won't be any soul searching it would be really nice to finish off the season on a good performance and replicate something that we know we're very capable of I think that would be a fantastic end to our provincial season Has Matt taken it in the neck unfairly? fairly do you think? Uh, I think he probably has you know our, our European Form and where we finished, and that you know was was pretty good, and it could have been, it could have very nearly been very, very, very good. Uh, you know, Rabo or the Guinness League as it is now. Listen, we we've underperformed in that without a doubt, and there's been some times during the year, you know, notably Dragons home and away, that if you win those two games you know nine ten points you're back into the top four so i think probably has taken a little bit unfair criticism players need to take a little bit more on our shoulders because at the end of the day we're the ones performing on the field so you know i think it's, it's very important that the players share that criticism a lack of tries i suppose is what got you is there is there one reason for that or is there a couple of reasons or what's the no i don't think so i think there's been lack of tries scored right across the whole tournament uh throughout the year okay our, our attacking game hasn't had a huge amount of fluidity to it this year um and that's obviously something we're going to have to work very hard on next year looking forward to the world cup already it's not that far away now yeah it's it's very close but I, don't, I haven't really spoken about it too much of you know potentially two games less this left this season looking forward to a good three four week break where you know physically and probably even more importantly mentally you're getting a break away from the game we'll reassemble on sunday the 28th of june and it'll be all guns blazing in for a world cup are you the kind of guy who can shut completely off you can
2: take yourself away from it and if
6: so how Uh, i think i can and i will do for the first 10 to 14 days Uh, and then coming into the week week three of our four week uh break off i'll get back training i'll avoid sort of Rugby specific training, playing squash, boxing, a uh, bit of road running—sort of stuff that I enjoy doing that I don't get to do in season. Uh, so that'll be my plan. Who do you intend to box? Uh, <laughs> anyone who I can find. <laughs> be up for a challenge.
1: Listen, Rob, don't I'll worry, step in. I'll step
6: good. in. I'm not very good.
1: Rob, Chris mentioned a couple weeks back how Easton kind of helped him, when he was coming off. Which? How Easton helped him. Uh, you know, when he was kind of maybe coming, starting out at Leinster. Um, is there anyone kind of coming up now that you have kind of brought under your wing or any, any young, young guys who you feel could be, um, you know, given time that they could develop into? Yeah,
6: there probably is. Of course, of course there is. And generally it's probably more around, you know, the back three area uh, or the guys who I probably, you know, look to help most. You know, Gervin Dempsey was always fantastic for me when I was coming through the ranks. Uh, he always helped me along my way. I think, you know, this season and definitely next season, our exposure to the younger guys in the academy and the, the sub academy guys will be much greater. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll have our our video room there together. So, you know, without a doubt, you know that that's something that I'm looking to doing and have done with a few guys throughout the year. What do
4: you, have you seen much of Keen
1: Haller in training?
6: Yeah, I've seen a lot of them, yeah.
1: But uh, you know, he, he said that Mike Roddick made him play uh, on the wing and at centre so he'd understand what those players do for him as a fullback. As a you know, do, do you see kind of little glimpses of, of what he could do?
6: I think he's got a huge amount of potential, yeah. I uh, watched the AL final at the weekend, and every time he got the ball, he looked very exciting, made a couple of great line breaks. Uh, and who knows, he, he may get his opportunity to be in a Leinster squad before the season's out. Looking over your shoulder? Sorry? You're looking over your shoulder? Am I looking over mine? Yeah. I'm always looking over my shoulder. Good.
1: Would you be one of the
6: fastest players in Leinster? Um, I'm sure we'd all probably be equal enough, but Keen definitely up there, if not above.
1: That was Rob Carney speaking to Ushin. Before we get to the weekend's GAA action, I spoke to former Chelsea and Ireland defender Paddy Mulligan about Man United's defenders, Liverpool's midfield and Arsenal's potential for next season. Paddy, um Man United have qualified for the for next season's Champions League, but obviously they're going to be spending quite heavily in the summer. Defense is somewhere something I really wanted to ask you about. Particularly like Phil Jones and Chris Smalling have always been kind of seen as the successors to Ferdinand and Vidic in a way. But do you, can you see a long-term future for either of those players?
0: No, not not at not their current form, and I'm I'm very disappointed in Phil Jones because I thought that uh, when he arrived at United that he was going to be a much better player than what he actually has. But he's at, uh, he's he's a regress in my estimation, in that he, he's not doing his defensive duties as well as I as I thought he would be. He doesn't he doesn't track people. He gets him, he gets himself on the wrong side of people. And he, he just doesn't know the basic uh, elements of defending. Now, the crazy thing about it is that in the English game at this moment in time, uh, really good defenders are very, very few and far between. And Chris Smalling would, 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 would fall into that category as well. Because, yes, they're comfortable on the ball, and yes, they're happy to be on the ball. But uh, when you're a defender, you're, you're, the, basic, the, the basic element of defending is to go and make sure that your opposite number doesn't get a sniff of the ball. Now, that's, I know that's easier said than done, but by and large, if you are a good defender, you will be able to read situations, and you will get tight on people, when it's right to get tight on people. But on occasion, Smalling and, and Jones get too tight to people. Instead of just giving them a yard and, 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 and get them to go the way that you want them to go, not the way that they want to go. And they don't seem to have learned that. And, it, and Sam Allardyce alluded to all of this there about, about two years back, when he said that his defenders at West Ham do not want to defend well, they're going to have, well, Sam Allardyce, you're the manager, so you have to get, you've got to get them with your coaching staff to defend and show them how to defend. Because I mean, Sam, Sam Allardyce was a, a big burly centre half who just knocked lumps out of people. And 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 if that's what if that's what a central defender has to do, well then that's what it should be done. But in the, in the modern game, it doesn't appear as if it's it, it's any way valued. And defending is an art. And, and and uh trust me in that as a former defender it, it, it certainly is an art and you have you know, you have to use your, your your football playing and your whatever football intelligence that you have to go and defend and get yourself into the right positions, get the right angles and, and read situations. And neither of those two players we're talking about, Smalling and, and and Jones, at this at this juncture know how to go and do that. Whether that's down to the to, to bad coaching at Man United which people might think, oh, that's strange to say bad coaching in Man United, but there is bad coaching in Man United because uh, the, the the whole epidemic of defending goes into midfield as well. Well, when the defend the, the midfielders don't cover for defenders as well, so it, it, it's an area that needs needs a lot of looking at. Not just at Man United, but right through. I mean, Arsenal are the are the, are the prime. Uh, suspects in, in, in that area as well yeah. whereas not hasn't, hasn't hasn't decided uh, to, to that, well, we, can, we can win games without defending Brendan Rodgers, Brendan Rodgers the same but trust me you don't win games without defending keep a clean sheet and you've got a chance and that's what Mourinho has done there's yeah, no and, great mystery to it yeah, yeah.
1: yeah and Arsenal and Liverpool were actually two clubs I wanted to ask you a couple of things about as well Arsenal in particular have been kind of said to be the lead team in terms, terms of taking on Chelsea next season can you really see that no know,
0: no 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 because your starting point is your defense if you, and I, I, and uh, this this is an old old saying if you don't concede you don't lose it's so as simple as that. And that's what Mourinho has done. Mourinho has been very, very clever. And um, maybe, and maybe I'm giving him too much credit, but he has been clever, he's been clever than, than, than the likes of Wenger or, or Rogers or any, or any other, or Van Hal, any other of, 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 of the so-called top managers. Because he recognises that to win a league title, you must not concede goals. And if you are 1-0 wins, that's fine. And that's, and that's exactly what he's done. And sometimes they've play, played with a lot of flared imagination. And now and again, they score three and four goals or five goals. But that's on the very rare occasion. But what he doesn't do, he doesn't concede too many goals. When they concede the goals just before, uh, I think it was around the new year, uh, the 5 2 uh, drubbing they, they got from Spurs, then he, 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 he rebirthed as a type and, and got them back on, on, on track again. And when you are got back four, back five, like Courtois or check and goal, um, and you've got Ivanovic, you've got Peri, you've got Cal, you've got Well, then you've got you've got a really mean back four, and that's how he's built it. That's how he's built his team around. Then he gets his midfield sorted out. Then he gets the front man. Even at the end of the season, he didn't have a proper front man. But yes, they still went to Leicester uh, with who who's thirty-seven years of age. who's you know with all Julie Spence's idea, Drogo is going to magnificent player. Um, but his best days are, are, are more than likely behind him. But yet he's still. Uh, turned on the heat and got, and, and got a smashing goal that night against Leicester City just for instance but that wouldn't be, that, that wouldn't be the norm for, for Mourinho but he sets his thought out he says I know that we can defend better than any other team and we're going mm-hmm. to do that for instance if Liverpool could have defended better last year with all of the goals they scored conceded 51 goals if they didn't concede the 51 goals they probably would have won the league but it wasn't just down to the last three or four games that Liverpool lost the league. The league was lost before that because the amount of goals that they conceded. And Brendan Rodgers appears to me uh, to, to be, be just uh, um, uh, happy to go and attack and say, well, we'll score four. The opposition, the opposition scored three. But that, to me, is the wrong philosophy. It's all very well playing, playing expansive football and, uh, and attacking with flair and imagination, but they don't have a Suarez. They don't have a storage who's hit. And especially they don't have, have have Luis Suarez, who is a magnificent player, as he is shown now at Barcelona this
1: season. Yeah, and the final thing I kind of wanted to touch on was you, you're kind of you mentioned Liverpool's forward line and their defense. The midfield, actually, for me, seems to be as weak as any any other part of the pitch. I mean, notwithstanding Gerard leaving, it's more of a loss in terms of leadership. But you look at the players they have, particularly in central midfield, and they don't really fill you with that much confidence.
0: No, they've got they've got. I mean, I'm not. I'm not a great fan of, of Coutinho because I think he, he's he's a, he's a bit of a one-trick pony, and that he wants to dribble and beat three or four people. Then there's no end product from Henderson. I don't know where he where, where he ends up and how he, and I don't know how he's going to end up because he's not he's not the forceful player that people are trying to make him out to be. Now the people in the media in England are making him out to be uh, this that and the other because he's an English international, so they're going to start building up. Well, but I'm, I'm a Liverpool fan, but for me, I would not, I, I I'm not enamoured with Jordan Henderson, I'm not enamoured with with, uh, with Coutinho. I mean, Brendan Rodgers has bought so many bad people. I mean, God help mm-hmm. Liverpool uh, without Stephen Gerard. Because he's been, he's been keeping them together over the past number of seasons. And, and this, is an absolute, this is an absolute disaster for him. So now it's up to Brendan Rogers to manage. If he's still going to be there, it's up to Coutinho to go and show us that he is the player that he thinks that he is. It's up to Jordan Henderson to go and, uh, to, uh, to go and show us what, what, what he's made of. And, and none of them are doing that. And Mark, Markovic, who, who was brought in as well, to me, I mean, he's got an awful lot to learn. He's a, he's a young man, but he's got an awful lot to learn, and it doesn't uh, doesn't seem to me as if he has the the football intelligence. Again, you could, we can go back to Raheem Sterling as well, who who in my estimation, and I, I've watched him very very closely over the past few seasons, he can't head a ball, and he can't kick a ball with either foot, with and he, he's got no control over the ball. I call him I call him jelly ankles because the ankles seem to wobble when he's kicking a ball, and if you watch him closely, you can watch him last Saturday. Uh, against Crystal Palace, with his left foot or his right foot, he cannot kick a ball. So Liverpool, if somebody is daft enough to pay 50 million for a Sterling journey, go and grab it because you'll never, you never get a better, uh, never get a better chance. In 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 my estimation, so Liverpool are all over the place. I think what happened with Liverpool last season. And I said at the time that I think that people were afraid of Suarez because his standards were so high. And I mean being afraid of him in the nicest possible sense. His standards were so high that he, 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 he made players play way above their station. The likes of Henderson played way above, above himself. And Coutinho, and Sterling, and Sturridge. And when, when, when Suarez was gone, the leader of the pack, the real big leader, then everybody said, oh, probably thank God he's gone. He's not going to be giving me grief this week again. But that's what Liverpool need, and it's going to be very, very difficult to go and replace a man like be, it's impossible to replace a man like Suarez. And now they're after losing their are two other big tally talisman. That was uh, Carragher last year, mm. and now and now and um, uh, Gerrard. And when you look back as a Liverpool fan over the past five or six years, and you see the quality of player that has been allowed drift out of, uh, out of out of Anfield, you know something that nearly make you cry, Mascherano. Uh, yeah. um, Alonso Alonso in midfield, Mascherano, Torres when he was when he, when he was at his peak, Suarez. Oh, good luck. You know, it, it was nearly make you week Thanks for thanks for uh, uh, messing up my afternoon. Now, you're very kind. <laughs> <laughs> I won't be able to enjoy anything else. You have to know you have me you have me thinking all over the place. I'm gone on history. <laughs> Apologies for <laughs> that. All, all, I can, all I can think of is sterling, uh, jelly ankle sterling. God help me.
1: You'll have you won't be sleeping at all tonight. I'd say, uh, Paddy, thanks a million for joining me. Not at all. My pleasure, indeed. Cheers. That was Paddy Mulligan speaking to me. Now to the big sporting action of the weekend. Donegal came out on top in the Battle of Bally Buffet against Tyrone with Martin McLenny scoring 1-2. Here he is speaking to Oisín, who also got the word from Eamon McGee, who you'll hear straight after.
2: Martin McElhenney, what a battle. Delighted, no doubt, to come out on top.
7: Yeah, delighted, in fairness. Look, it's great to come out on the right side of that there. Victory there. That it was a real dogfight now from more goal. Like, and I know we were favourites there today, but... None of us on the panel really thought anything different. We knew that we were going to be out one for one hell of a battle there today, and that's what it was.
2: Was your goal one of the clutch moments in that game?
7: Oh, I don't, I don't know. I think there was a couple of clutch moments in fairness. It was just it kind of ebbed and flowed all over the place, didn't it? And we we're just delighted to come out in the right thing. I think this fairness they got two points up, and it was a good time to get a goal just before half time and come out and come in, go on. at half time, two points up, but look, it was just a dogfight for more goal. They came out in the second half, too. Sure, one took the lead again, but we we're delighted to get over the right side.
2: Was it a strange one because you both had periods of. Dominance. He just, I suppose, got more scores during years.
7: Yeah, but that's it. That's the way it goes. You know, you do. You do. The team does uh, get the uh, pairs of dominance but we're just delighted. We're delighted to go live. Our man next up. That's it. Our man. It doesn't get any easier now in fairness. <laughs> so that's that's the enjoyment of it. Also, the that's why We are always mad to won it. We're just we're always delighted to win those challenges because it's so hard and to play top teams all the time. Look, and that's we're just concentrating on our man again. And just before I
2: let you go, I think it was one two for you in the end. Does that give you a big boost in a personal sense?
7: Yeah, I suppose it does always helps but it's not about personal tallies or anything like that there you always put the shoulder to wheel and say I suppose if you look at Michael there he's the first man to say that there he's helped us out so many years and he never puts himself first he puts a team and that's the main one It's always about the team well done
2: Eamon a hard-fought victory but a victory nonetheless
8: yeah that's what it's all about You know um, We knew what it was going to be like Coming first round Preliminary round Against uh, Tyrone Also Championship We knew what it was, type of game it would be And it was just a matter Coming out the right side of the result
2: How tough were those conditions to handle? Because it was a swirly breeze And there was kind of Intermittent rain showers The, the rain was always there But sometimes it was heavier than others
8: Ah listen There's no point saying otherwise It was tough going like, But it was tough for the, the both teams like And it just kind of you know it was hard to judge the passes and it was just for, in terms of taking points and uh, getting the passes it was a bit tough going but even underfoot it was a, it was a, just a bit uh, slippy there now but listen we just have to deal with it, there was no point complaining about
2: it and we just I think we dealt with it well Was it a strange one to prepare for because I suppose everyone knew what way the teams were going to set up it was just about who did it better, who executed better yeah, like,
8: we, we knew, like, the Tyrone had the poor mouth, like, and coming into the game, and we knew that there was, there was simply not the case. We knew they were still a top team, and we knew what to expect. And I suppose Tyrone knew what to expect of us. And uh, I was just trying to find something, find a better way around it, like, and just probably the basic skills, do them do them at 100%, 100% you know. And uh, I thought the likes of Michael, whenever he got a chance, he was in for a lot of... Uh, a lot of it. It'd be Saturday like, and that's not. A, it's just the caliber of player he is that he's, he has to expect that. But uh, any chance he got, the likes of Colm and Michael and Martin McElhaney took took them, and uh, that's what it's all about. When you get that wee chances and the wee, uh, compact defense
2: like that wee compact defence that, you need to take them. Did you think after 10 minutes he had it sus because you were four points to no score up to weren't getting a sniff? You were finding players on the overlap, hitting all your chances when you got them. And, it looked like you were bossing Toronto about. It, and then they got the goal, and then they got back into it. Yeah, we started finding wee pockets of
8: space, you know, going forward, and we were attacking well, and we were, we were, the handling was very good, and we were, we were getting through them okay now. But you know, I don't know what happened when you take a look at it. They seemed to get in for that wee goal, and we, I'd say we switched off, and uh, so we will have to take a look at. It. We're kind of be very disappointed. We conceded that
2: goal and the manner of it. So it's uh, something we will have to take a look at minutes in the first half I think you only got one point again is that something you look at or is that something you're not too concerned with because you stopped them getting a massive amount of scores no it's definitely something that we, we'll continue to look at
8: you know that we can't uh, our, ma, our ma look at that day and say this is one of our weaknesses or whatever this is where we struggle so we have to prove that for the next day and, uh, that's what it's all about you know we'll take a look at it and we'll just try to remove anything we felt we, uh, we let ourselves down how did you see that game out tough last 10 minutes but you looked in control ah yeah tough you know and uh, I think that's the type of players we're dealing with that you have the likes of Michael Murphy you have uh, Frank Blatton Colin Fadden Chris and Troy it's all digging they've and just
2: and a bit of pushing at the half time break when you were all going into the tunnel I assume you can't say much about it <laughs> no, I was a bit of crack you know there's a few choice words uh, a
8: few yeah. choice words chosen now but listen that's just as I was saying to the someone else in the dressing room there it's just one just fami- familiar with each other now and you know it's when two big eagles meet on the playground that there's always going to be a bit of pushing and shoving. so we see them as a threat, and they see us as a threat. So, it's inevitable is going to turn out to be like that. And just
2: before I let you go, last question: You've got a big victory early in the championship. Does that give you a bit of confidence going into the Armagh game? I mean, is that the ideal way to set up for a game like that, or you know, do they have a bit of an advantage because they've had longer to wait, they can prepare, they've they've seen what you've done against Tyrone? How does it work? It's it's hard to take, you know, when you sit there and analyze it uh, it'll probably, uh, the probably
8: pros and cons.
1: Martin McElhenney and Eamon McGee chatting to Uishin Langan after yesterday's game. Donegal manager Rory Gallagher was also satisfied with the result, and Uishin also got the opinion of his Tyrone counterpart Mickey Hart.
2: Rory Gallagher, are you happy? Relieved? Ah, happy.
9: Delighted. You know, to be through. Listen, um, no, no Ulster Championship match is one easy, and definitely not when you're playing the likes of throw. What did you do well? What did you do not so well? I thought, thought, you know, we we kicked some nice scores early on, you know, we gained a good foothold in the game early on. Then Throne obviously came back with a goal and we struggled a bit. Look, we'll have to review the video and see where it went wrong. But, you know, against good teams, you're always going to be up against it for periods of games.
2: Yeah, you had four points to no score after nine minutes and that was an excellent start and then kind of dropped off and there was about 20 minutes in the first half he only got one is it hard to explain what happened there or was it Tyrone got the momentum and they probably gained a wee bit of a foothold
9: in the middle of the field things are as simple as that and the next thing then you know they're back level or they're back ahead you know when you did dig in but that's what we expected at the break, just before in fact you got the goal, how big a boost was that? It was a huge boost, you know, it was nice to go in ahead at half time, considering Toronto had sort of, the, the pendulum had swung their way and it was a relief, probably more than anything to go back in. A few verbals a bit of messing by the tunnel, what, what did you make of that? There wasn't a lot in it, you know, two teams, you know, to be honest, going in together at half time, you know, it's just the way it goes. Tough second half, but a great battle. Great battle, you know, and great to come out the right end of it. What went right in that second half? What specifically were you happy with? And we probably started to defend a wee bit better, you know, bar a period, you know, you know, maybe after 10 or 12 minutes, throwing again, got a couple of scores and that, but started to turn the ball over, we gained a bit of a foothold in the middle of the field, and to be honest, we had a couple of goal chances, we should have finished off, which would have made the difference.
2: Michael really stepped up late in the game, up to that point, hadn't scored, but I say, I say as a manager, you weren't worried about that, because you were getting the scores, and Michael was being very closely marked, so they had to watch him, a lot of other guys free.
9: Yeah, exactly, look, you know, Michael gets that attention, and that's part of it, it frees up other men, but look, we're delighted that he comes up with the big. Moments when, when the count. Parma, next up. Yeah, tough battle, you know, and we'll have to get
2: our heads around it very quickly. Cheers. No bother. Two changes made late to the starting 15. Do you think they worked and what was the thinking behind them?
10: Well, <laughs> I think they did work um, Some, one of them better than the other I suppose um, and I suppose the idea is the two lads are young they're on the 21s and we want to keep them without any media attention as they approach this big game so it's better to bring them in quietly so that's really the reasoning behind it
2: I know it's a tough one to comment on but Sean was sent off late in the game when you really could have done with them first of all what did you make of the
10: sending off and second of all Tell me about Sean's performance and the end of that I match. I didn't see the sending off. It was exactly at the opposite side of the field yeah. for me. And I just didn't see it at all. Uh, so, I don't know what happened, so I can't really comment on it. But obviously, if you, he's the last man in the world you want to lose. And he had, it was having a hectic game for us out there today. He put himself on the line. He really wanted to win this game, and he showed that by what he did. And he was a good influence for those around him. So, it was a huge loss not to have him until the end of the game. McCalliskey really
2: stepped up today there. I mean, there were many positives. He was just one of them.
10: Yeah, there were many positives in the game. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of our players were very content that they can play at the top level and compete at the top level. And if Lady Luck shone a little bit brighter on us, we could at least have a draw to this.
2: Do you go into the qualifiers with a good mindset because of the way you played for most of the game a kick of the ball in
10: absolutely absolutely I think it's it's uh, we we shouldn't go into the qualifiers without anything but a good load of confidence because our players performed very well today and we created at least four goal chances against Donegal who are renowned for not giving them up very handy so I think that's encouraging and uh, if we can build on that particular performance then we'll be we'll be a match for many in the qualifiers
1: that was Rory Gallagher and Mickey Hart. Meanwhile, Leash enjoyed a comfortable victory over Carlo, and here's Leash's boss, Tommaso Flaherty.
5: Uh We had some good spells of football, I thought. At the, bit, at the start, we, had, we got a good start. We got four or five points up straight away, which, which, we, which we wanted, you know, away from home. And... Uh, um, Carlo came into the game all right with a few points after that but you know we kept uh, kept winning uh, ball in the middle of the field and uh, forwards were moving well as well and I thought the the backs uh, they were doing good defending you know and that was helped by the forwards you know they were doing a lot of tackling up at the other end of the field so it it helped us uh, give uh, you know have time to set up at the back.
6: Ross won the toss and you elected a player with the win you know but it's a little into the 20th minute you were only at four or five points clear it wouldn't think that was enough at that stage. And then the goal was a real game
5: changer. Obviously, goals are a big game changer in and every game. And, you know, goals win championships uh, for you. Um, yeah, look, uh, you know, people would maybe expect us to put up a lot of scores, you know, with, the, with that kind of a win behind us. But uh, it took us a while to get a bit of momentum. But uh, um, we, we didn't panic and we, we just kept our composure. And uh, bit by bit, we, we knocked a few more on the board.
1: Elsewhere in Leinster, Longford defeated Offaly and Westmead put three goals past Louth in a comfortable win. And in Connacht, Galway advanced past Leitrim, as I thought they would. Now to Camogie. On Saturday, Cork won their third Munster Camogie title in a row, beating Tipperary by 12 points to 11 in Cashel in tough weather conditions. After the game, Oisin spoke to Rebels skipper and Thompson, but first Premier skipper and player of the match, Koch Devan.
2: Koch Devan, Tipperary captain, is that one that ye allowed slip?
11: Well, it was... Taking were up by seven points in the first half, you, you could say that. But um, we're very encouraged by the performance. You know, Cork are Ireland champions, and you know are a great side, and, and came back at us there in the second half. It's a very strong wind. I suppose the effect of it. Cork was at three points in the first half. We only managed to score one, um, so that I suppose just emphasises how strong the wind was. Look, it was a close match. Um, a small thing. Could have could have won it for us on the day, but but look, um, we, we'll take the positives from it and uh, and try building it from for our championship. If we can put a, an, a performance like that together in the middle of the summer, I, I think it'll be a very exciting time for Tipperary Coggy.
2: I think the average age of this team is something like twenty-two, so you'll have learned a lot from this game and indeed this campaign going into the championship.
11: Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, as I as I said earlier, you know, there's a. Uh, we're kind of in uncharted territory. Um, this team, you know, as a group, you had a couple of miners that came on there in the second half, um, who have never experienced something like that. So, like, we take it as a positive too that you know what, we've nothing to lose, and 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 we rip into everything we can. Um, but yeah, no, definitely days like today will only benefit. Um, I suppose the belief that we have that look how close we are to some of the top teams and try get Tipperary boggy go- back to the glory days. I suppose you know.
2: Hard luck today, best of luck in the championship. Thanks very much. Aisling Thompson, Corkomogie captain, you had to battle for that one.
12: Yeah, we did. I mean, uh, I don't know, can't remember the score, but going in at half time we were down about eight or nine points. Um, do you know, there was a strong breeze there, but we kind of said at half time no matter what happens, as long as we up our work rate and give it 100%, we can go home happy. So, lucky we won.
2: Tip had a very strong breeze behind them in the first half They also played an extra player at the back That made it very difficult
12: They did And uh, I suppose we counteracted it then in the second half You know, It was our turn to have the wind And I think we maybe worked at that a little bit better But then again they had a flying start you know, And nearly won the game for them So we were still happy in the finish to win
2: Three monster titles in a row What does that mean?
12: Um, I suppose... As I said, like the scoreline reflecting on the game, it kind of really shows what kind of a team we are. We've come from a loss in the league semi-final and to come here today be down by cricket scoring in the half time to come back and tri- win three in a row is an unbelievable achievement and it really shows our guts and talent. So.
2: And it really sets you up for the All-Ireland series as well, I suppose, as well. It was good to get the bouncer for losing the league final.
12: Yeah, it does and it, as you said, sets the tone for championship and, you know, hopefully we can take the positives from it and work on the negatives, so...
2: Ashley, well done get that trophy into the dressing, r- dressing thanks room
12: thanks finally
1: we look ahead to next week's Munster Hurling Championship clash between Clare and Limerick with Oisín Langan and the Irish Examiners JA correspondent John Fogarty
2: John Fogarty of the Irish Examiner. it's an odd place to be doing a Hurling Championship preview we're standing in Bally Buffet awaiting uh, Donegal against uh, Tyrone but I said I'd grab you for a few minutes while you were free um, Limerick against Clare kicks it all off in earnest next Sunday in Thurles. that has the makings of a cracker
13: Absolutely, it does, Oshin. Two teams that know each other so well and, uh, you know, two... It's going to be fired up both sides, you know. A lot of them would... Like, we're talking about two teams here today, Donegal and Tyrone, who've moved their training sessions because... Of suspicions of, of, of being watched by the other side um, there's a lot these two teams train in UL you know they would have if, they would have had opportunities to look at each other and possibly over the last while but um, I, there's just talk and limit that challenges have been going very well for them Clare lost to Galway last week and things are disappointing for them but um, it's, it's made it interesting by the fact that there's so many injuries on both sides um, you know we're, we're talking about Conor McGrath not being available Nicky Quinn not being available things like that that's going to add a little bit more to the mix you know um, very exciting both both teams are going to fetch it up to the charge this big time
2: Colum is a particularly big loss, loss as is Connor. if he doesn't start we're not sure about his partic- t- participation yet because they're the guys who link the play together aren't they they're the key men for the banner and the way they play and the style that they impose
13: absolutely I did, like we're we're looking at what tactics both teams are going to use the word is in Limerick anyway that they're going to use two two men they've been very conventional over the last while we've seen that under TJ Ryan extremely conventional in a way but um, Claire like Probably could argue are more adaptable, and I I would imagine as much as Connor's going to be a huge. Uh, uh, sorry, Connor's going to be a huge loss for them. Um, they will cope for it. Um, they have the, the the weaponry there. You know, Keen Dillon is another possibility. Fifty-fifty doubt there. He could, he could be he could be a big loss, especially as a, a leadership role in defence and, and what have you. Um, the, you just have to see what they're going to do with uh, Shane O'Donnell as well. Are they going to operate him as this one man full forward line? You know what I mean? Because if they're go, if, I would imagine if you're going to see a two man full forward line from Limerick, you're going to probably see Clare to a one man full forward line the other way.
2: Limerick without Nicky Quaid and David Breen out as well. Two massive losses, especially Nicky, because goalkeepers, once they're settled in and they're established, very hard to replace them no matter how good no matter how much talent the guy who is going to replace them has
13: yeah we saw with Kilkenny last year with Herity came in but Herity is a proven goalkeeper you know what I mean um, Limit don't have that you know what I mean the, 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 the Last year it was almost seamless for Kilkenny but that, uh, there's just a pocket strategies and whatever. Especially when you know you would imagine we're going to see the likes of Keane Lynch uh, coming in and probably Keane Lynch playing in the half forward line and, and, and James Ryan. There's th- th- James Ryan could go into the half forward line now as well. So it, it's going to be a little bit tricky for the for, for the new for the new keeper. But uh, they'll be hoping they'll get Quaid back as soon as possible what's your prediction for this one Limerick Clare I think Clare are going to do it uh, I think they, they just have to I think they have the mark on them I think they, they know what to expect from Limerick I, whereas I don't know if Limerick as, as much as I think we know at this stage Limerick's leagues and championships are, are, are so different to one another um, but at the same time I just think Clare know what the Know like, a bit of what to expect from Limerick. It's going to be fire and brimstone as much as there's a hell of a lot of skill, in, especially in that forward line. And if that Limerick forward line ignites, then um, we could be talking. We could be talking a big scope But I don't know if it's going to be a shootout. I don't think Clare will allow it, and especially if it's a two-man full forward line against possibly a one-man full forward line, we might see uh, you know the the proverbial game of chess. So I, I, I just think Clare have more in their weaponry in the sense that they have um, they have more options and they're not as dare I say, as predictable.
2: And just before I let you go, a quick eye to the rest of the teams involved. Cork playing Waterford on June 7th. Waterford, obviously, without Park Mahoney, that's a huge loss. Cork in poor form, and then Tipperary await the winners of that. Or sorry, Tipperary await the winners of Limerick Clare, but obviously, they're without Noel McGrath, who we wish well, and we hear things are going well for him, and obviously, we send our best wishes.
13: Oh, absolutely. And I, and, and if you look at the players who have had the same uh, situation as Noel over the yeah. last while, like, like some Marty McGrath, Joe Dean, and, and what have you, these guys have come back pretty quick so you know don't be surprised if I know there's no pressure on all at all but don't be surprised if you see him before the end of the championship in temporary Colours again uh, Cork Watford I think Mahoney's um, Mahoney's injury is a game changer uh, he is ex- a, a vital to Waterford. Um, Cork will have done a, a lot of homework on the last game. I, I said that day that it was going to be a a, a day of school for Cork. I just fancy Waterford would have it on the sideline in the sense that they would have it tactically right. But I think uh, JBM, um, Jimmy Byrne Murphy has uh, has learned a lot in in, in the last while, and uh, we're going to see uh, we're going to see a different Cork that day.
2: John, thanks.
1: That was Ushin speaking to John Fogarty, and that's it for this week's rewind. Ushin will be back next week, so for me, best of luck.
0: The Monday Rewind.